It was a quiet weekend for Boston College players in the NFL draft as the remaining prospects were shut out. We're joined by Mitch Wolf today to talk about what happened and where they go from here. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Happy Monday, everyone. It's uh, the post-NFL draft hangover, and who better to nurse that hangover with than Mitch Wolf? Mitch, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, like you said, a little bit of a disappointing weekend for the Boston College prospects. Uh, I was pretty surprised, honestly, with some of the results, but we'll get into all that and more. So the biggest surprise this weekend, uh, we'll just kind of go over the news. So first of all, quickly. Zion Johnson, he goes 17th overall on Thursday. And then after that, it is radio silence as over 250-ish other uh, prospects are drafted with no BC players selected. Now, the first name that popped that was a big question mark about why he wasn't uh, drafted was Alec Lindstrom. Now, Lindstrom was a center for Boston College, you know, played, you know, pretty well for multiple years for the Eagles. He was projected by many mock drafts as a third or fourth grade round grade center and then fell off. Mitch, what do you think happened there? Uh, honestly, I was really surprised. And I, a lot of people I follow, you know, were putting together their lists of, you know, best available UDFAs and Lindstrom was very frequently near the top of those lists. So I think everybody was pretty surprised by it. And I mean, like you said, if you look at Lindstrom's profile, like multiple year starter has experience in different schemes, uh, has NFL bloodlines, good athletic testing. It It's very, it's bewildering that he didn't get drafted. And, <clears throat> you know, a number of centers went, it, it was a relatively weak center class. So that was partially expected. But, you know, even I kind of cooled on my love for Lindstrom as a prospect kind of as the process went on, um, because I felt that he was relatively scheme limited. Like he would on, really only be able to go to teams that ran um, outside zone heavy offenses due to his uh, lack of uh, weight. But even so, like I mean, going undrafted, I thought was very far out of their own possibility for me. Like I figured, you know, it's like somebody will take him like in the fifth or the sixth at some point. But yeah, I mean, I think there were only uh, one, two, three, four, five, five, six, only like seven or eight centers drafted. So and he, but him not being one of them still, I, I'm not sure I'll ever really understand why. I'll have to like see if I can talk to some people about maybe there's some reason that I'm not seeing or didn't know about, but I mean, as far as I know, he was healthy, so it can't be that. So, yeah, it was a very surprising. Yeah, it was interesting. I think I, I don't know if it was you I was talking to, but someone said conservatively he was in like the top six of centers. Yeah, I and think there was seven he, drafted. So it was kind of odd. yeah. And like like one of them. So like one that came on late was Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. And he's played every position for them. Like he's played both tackles. He's played guard. He's played center. So that I got was and he was kind of one of the last guys. But after that you know, there was a pretty big drop off like Dawson Deaton from Texas tech got drafted and that kind of surprised me. Uh, but he's six, five and over 305 pounds. So, you know, that's, that size makes sense, but yeah, no other centers, which, uh, and even some I liked, Oh, sorry. Doug Kramer from Illinois got drafted with Luke Wattenberg from Washington, which Wattenberg for me has a lot of the same concerns. Listen, he has, he has played multiple positions though, but he's six, four So a lot of the same issues, uh, Doug Kramer out of Illinois, you know, kind of, I would say pretty similar to Lindstrom, just, you know, relatively undersized center. Um, but yeah, like I, 
I wouldn't have bet any money on Doug Kramer being drafted and Alec Lindstrom not being drafted. So that was, yeah, pretty confusing. Like, and I'm looking at Lance Zerline's analysis on NFL.com and he's there like head, one of their head draft analysts does a, a lot of their report writing and he has Lindstrom as a projected six or seven round pick. And the thing with six and seven round six and seven is that they go a little wonky because teams want to they might have like players that are weird and people haven't heard of, but teams want to get their hands on guys that they're worried. Uh, they won't be able to get them in the UDFA portion. So like my Steelers did this uh, multiple times, taking guys that, you know, were kind of off the rails, but it's like, well, they were worried that they wouldn't be able to secure them as UDFAs or they just want to like ensure that they get them. So they maybe overdraft them a bit, but at the end of the day, six and seven round picks just aren't that valuable. So, at the end on, on Saturday night, the UDFAs, we're going to kind of go player by player here. The UDFAs start rolling in and Alec Lindstrom was one of the first announced and mm-hmm. he was signed by the Dallas Cowboys. What do you think of his odds to make that roster and his fit there? I like his odds to make the roster for sure. Um, you know, he's in many of backup center again, lots of experience. They, they're more of a, they run a pretty, have a diverse, pretty diverse running game. So he should be able to survive, but, I mean, Tyler Biotish is their starter and behind him is uh, Matt Farniok, who was a draft pick last year at Nebraska, who I didn't think was very good. Uh, He had his moments, but I think he's more, I don't think he's, he's actually not a natural center. He's a guard. So they're trying to cross train him. So if you bring in Lindstrom, he gives you that immediate center uh, experience. And so there's the other, I guess, quote, backup would be Connor McGovern, who right now is the backup left guard could start left guard, but he has center experience as well. Uh, so honestly, like I would not be shocked at all to see, uh, Lindstrom make this roster as a UDFA, uh, as the, basically the primary backup center to Tyler Biotish. Wow. So that's a good, good fit for him. And I'm sure he probably had a lot of options there, um, leaving, you know, uh, the, the draft pool. So the second player to talk about, um, I, I think after Lindstrom, I kind of, we both were both on the. Uh, the bandwagon of BC not having anyone else probably getting drafted. And that's exactly what happened. But the next name to pop up was Isaiah Graham Mobley, a linebacker transfer from Temple. You know, Mitch and I had talked about it. Mitch said, you know, a solid player, but with injuries and doesn't do anything super spectacular. He is heading to Carolina to join the Panthers. Um, but talk a little bit about, you know, any last thoughts on, on Isaiah Graham Mobley? Yeah. So I said this to you that, you know, he, I, I don't mean it this to be insulting, but like, he's a relatively mediocre linebacker. Like, like you said, like doesn't have any great physical or, you know, any great physical traits or anything. Like he's a solid athlete. He can, he plays decently well, but he's not going to, nothing's really going to pop off at you. And then he has a, a very long injury list. So that's going to take you off a lot of teams boards. We saw players like Justin Ross and Carson strong who have, you know, much more severe long-term injuries, but they didn't get drafted either. Um, and I don't think, Graham Mobley's issues are that bad, but you can see it's like, all right, if there's these injury risks, I don't want to take that uh, chance on a player. Uh, uh, there's honestly this team looking at their depth chart, they did draft a linebacker. So they drafted Brandon Smith, who is an athletic freak out of Penn State. He doesn't exactly know how to play football still, <laughs> but he's 6'3, 250 and runs like a 4'3, 540. So, you know, create you get crazy athletes like that. Other than that, though, they don't have a ton of linebacker depth behind their uh, few starters. So, you know, I think I think he has a decent chance of making the practice squad if he can stay healthy and play well in the preseason. 
so again, I, I I don't know if he'll make the active roster, but I think he has a good chance of making the Panthers practice squad. And maybe if somebody else gets hurt, he gets the call up and can be a contributor on special teams for them. All right. In just a moment, Mitch and I are going to go down the list of all the other players because there's some interesting ones to talk about. It's interesting landing spots for a few BC players. But summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags and your kids' backpack. Make sure everyone has a bar so you're fueled for your summer adventures. I literally was leaving today uh, to go to a dinosaur exhibit with my wife and my kids. And my wife went and grabbed a Built Bar. She said to me, Built Bars are great for mothers that don't have time to eat. And it was a perfect fit for her. She grabbed a Built Bar and it gave her the nutrition to make it through um, a long little museum trip that we did. But the best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. And it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. And they're 100% covered in chocolate. That means they are delicious. And if you tried the Puffs yet, I've been talking about Puffs for a while. We're going crazy for the Puffs here on the Lockdown Network. There are some great flavors, including banana cream pie, churro, and others that you need to check out. Now head on over to built.com and check out all the delicious flavors that they got going on there. Change every single day. Right now they got banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here. Uh, we are, if this is your first time checking this out, Locked On Boston College is a daily Boston College podcast. You're the only one in the game that does this. We do a 20 to 30 minute episode every single day. You're not going to find this anywhere else. So make sure to hit that subscribe button if you want to get your Boston College news. We do opinions, analysis. We have guests. We had Christian Mahogany on last week. We had Zay Flowers on two weeks ago. I've had Sean Marshall. and You name it, they, I've been trying to get them on the show. So there's going to be a, a, a fun summer coming up, and we're going to have a lot of fun here on Locked On Boston College. So Mitch is here with us today. This is Mondays with Mitch. Mitch is a fantastic no, uh, base of knowledge of football and, and from a scouting perspective. And we're talking about all the Boston College players that didn't hear their name called. And let's go through some that did continue to find uh, some success after the draft. And there were names that we were kind of expecting to not uh, get drafted. But let's talk about the two offensive linemen, Ben Petrula and Tyler Vrabel. Yeah, so uh, Ben Petrula ended up with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I think that he has a bit of an uphill battle to make the roster. But I think that this is a really good scheme fit for him. Uh, the Browns are even, you know, depending on what their quarterback situation is exactly, they're going to be a, a very run heavy team. They do like to do a lot of man gap power running, and that fits Petrula very well. Uh, they're relatively thin. Or actually, well, actually, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. They have a lot of guys in there in terms of just they have a lot of bodies, but it, I feel like if he has a good camp, stays healthy, you know, plays well in the preseason, he could beat some of these guys out. Um, and the the calling card with Petrula is versatility. Like he has played full seasons at uh, every position. He's played tackle, he's played center, he's played guard. Uh, <clears throat> so that's very valuable for a guy that you're at the back end of your roster. You want a guy that can come in if anybody gets hurt and, you know, be a, a, a serviceable player. So I think that that makes him very valuable. They ha they already have a few guys like that on the roster already. So that's kind of the uphill battle portion. They have guys with that versatility. They also just draft, like I mentioned earlier, they drafted a center. So, you know, that kind of takes them out of the running there. So um, maybe, so, and that's the other thing is like, maybe not for the Browns, but you know, if he has a good preseason and doesn't make their roster, he could end up somewhere else and maybe on their practice squad for a team that isn't as deep at offensive line. So 
you know, I, I didn't love Petrula as a tackle in the NFL level, but I think he has a decently good chance to make it as a guard uh, in the NFL. All right. And now Tyler Vrabel, a, you know, obviously the whole story about him being the son of Mike Vrabel and, you know, his roommates with Zion Johnson going into this draft, the big story with him other than his, his dad was his injuries. This was a mm-hmm. kid that had good of good uh, skill set, but just couldn't stay healthy. And he ends up going undrafted, but he's going uh, a year behind Matt Ryan to the Atlanta Falcons. What do you think about Vrabel to the Falcons? Yeah, this fit makes sense from a narrative standpoint in that, you know, Arthur Smith was the Titans offensive coordinator working under Mike Vrabel for multiple years. So there's that connection there. You know, they've obviously have interest in BC players. Chris Lindstrom is still there. Uh, And like you said, Matt Ryan just left, but in terms of his likelihood to make this team, uh, they're pretty obviously pretty set at their starters. I think they have decent backups. Um, he, I'm, I'd be interested to see if maybe they give him a shot at guard. Um, I'm not sure that's where he'd be best, but he might be better because he doesn't have the way he plays is he relies on his length too much, but his length isn't as great as he thinks it is, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> they did just draft a guard, so that's uh, not great. I think that. Of the two, I think this would be a tougher sell for Vrabel to make this team because uh, he doesn't have that history of versatility. He's played both tackle positions, but he hasn't played a guard before. Um, but he does have good athleticism. Uh, he's, he still has some room to grow as a player, things to improve. So, But he has, you know, I think he's at times just dis- displayed the tools to do that, just a matter of staying healthy. So, you know, it's an uphill battle for both of these guys. I think I'd feel better about Petrula latching on there. Uh, but you know, if he's healthy throughout the training camp and preseason process, you know, it wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be, you know, floored if Vrabel ended up making it on a practice squad first, probably the Falcons. Yeah. I, I look at like the biggest, some of the success stories out of undrafted free agents. And one that I, I go back to, and it's not like a huge success, but it's a guy that's been in the league forever. And I keep looking to see that he's still there and he always is, is Aaron Montero. Like he's Mm -hmm. floated between practice squads and regular squads off and on for about eight years now, it feels like. Um, And I believe he was an undrafted free agent, Um, but just like a guy like him, like, you know, he came in, didn't, wasn't completely polished, but then found a spot. And I know there's probably a million other stories like this, but that, that was just one BC name that I always go back to. Yeah, and that that could end up happening to hit to uh, Frabel or Petrula as well as just kind of bouncing between the practice squad and active roster. Um, and I, I like I said, I really think that that would be more of the case for Petrula because he has that uh, experience and versatility, whereas Frabel doesn't necessarily have that. Uh, but you know, again, BC has been very uh, productive at producing NFL offensive linemen, so I feel like these two would be, you know, decently smart bets. And if you're kind of picking UDFAs to make the active roster. So I had to ask the question and I don't like ripping on kids for making choices. Do you think Vrabel should have pulled, stayed in school or pulled the trigger and did what he did? I think it's, it's hard to say. I, I if he had come back and like stayed healthy for another year, uh, I think he maybe could have gotten himself back into the draft. Uh so, yeah, it, it is always hard to say, especially like, you know, we've talked about extensively how injuries were the problem. So, you know, maybe he comes back and he gets hurt again and then he's kind of where he is uh, right now. But he's a year older and, you know, it's kind of has less time to get better, improve himself. Whereas now, at least, you know, he's a year ahead of schedule. Um, he can ideally get healthy and, you know, he's kind of just ready to move on and start his professional career. All right. And then the last name that got an UDFA um 
um, deal was cornerback Fran Sebastian, who's joining Zion Johnson with the Chargers. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Sebastian and, and that squad? This is interesting because the Chargers invested three draft picks at defensive back, one as a safety, one as a slot corner, and one at more traditional corner. Uh, but I could see him making this roster because, again, like he has a lot of experience. He has good ball skills, good instincts. Um, and, you know, do you always need, you can always have more, you can always use more corners. It's a very valuable position, especially with a team like the Chargers, that it's going to be deploying a lot of nickel and dime defenses. He's, un, you know, Sebastian is an extremely smart player. So I think that they'll value that uh, in addition. So, you know, I'm looking at their depth chart now. They have, uh, Let's see, five, six, eight, like eight corners right now on the or seven corners on the roster. Um, so I, it's possible I could see him making the cut here. And you know, I think I think practice squad is definitely on the table. And if he made the active roster, I would not be shocked at all. I think that Sebastian, you know, like like we said a few weeks ago, like his pro day was a little bit of a disappointment in terms of athletic testing, but not to the point of it being catastrophic where it you know completely took him off people's boards. So I apologize. I, I made a horrible joke and it's on mute. So I don't even know if I should oh, no. <laughs> um, I was going to say, speaking of catastrophic pro days, let's talk about Trey Barry. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I didn't, did I, did I miss it or did he end up somewhere? Uh, he did not. So okay. the, I'll just kind of run down the list of the other guys and what's going on with them so far. So Trey Barry, Travis Levy, there's been no buzz as of recording around eight 30 Eastern time on either of those guys. Uh, guys that I have heard but haven't seen confirmation. I think they're getting like, you know, preseason workout uh, invites is Mike Palmer to the Saints and uh, Brandon Barlow to the Chiefs. And so I think that's pretty much everybody. I might be missing somebody, but Grant Carlson, I don't, he's not going anywhere. Um, no offense. Punters are just, you know, hard to find. And as we saw with Matt Ariza, um, the, the league is a little bit stingy right now with finding spots for them. So I, th- I think that kind of wraps all up, up all our drafts uh, discussion. Now, my last thought I've seen people saying, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Is this yeah, having one player drafted an indictment on BC coaching? Cause I've heard people ripping BC and the staff for their valuations of players. I don't think that that means anything. I think that, I think that just, you know, I think the Lindstrom thing was very surprising, but, you know, as quickly as he was picked up, it's clear that he is, you know, an NFL player. And like I said, I think he has a good chance of making the roster and being a valuable contributor for the Dallas Cowboys. I think that, you know, the number of of, of players that get drafted from a team, I don't think it's, I think there's, you know, when you're at the highest levels of college football and you're, fighting between like the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons of the world. I think then it matters a little bit, but like, I mean, to compare BC to those programs is just, this is not fair. Like there's no point in making that comparison. There's nothing to learn or glean from it. So, you know, I think that it was, I think it was disappointing that we didn't have, that the BC didn't have as many players uh, get drafted, but I think that, you know, regardless of if they were drafted or, or not, I think there's still have a good chance of ending up in the NFL, which is at the end of the day, it's not matter. It doesn't necessarily matter if you get drafted or where you get drafted. It's like, are you on an active roster? Are you playing in the NFL? Not necessarily like, oh, were you a seventh round pick or did you, were you a UDFA? All right. In just a moment, Mitch, I had a question. I didn't even ask you off the air. Um, in my final segment, we're going to talk about Jordan Addison and this NIL deal. Mitch, you want to sit on this one? Yeah, sure. All right. And we'll be back in just a moment. 
Now, Bet Online is the number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. For me, it's been Red Sox in the under for a while now, and I've been hitting all week long. So head on over to Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. This is Locked On Boston College. This is a big football episode, but um, one of the th- big stories this weekend was obviously there was the NFL draft. That was big. But also the NIL deals are starting to hit the, the waves, and, and we're starting to hear more and more about different stories that have been popping up. Isaiah Wong, a, a guard for Miami, reportedly was going to hit the transfer portal unless they upped his NIL money. Uh, he later rescinded that slash. It sounds like Miami found some more money for him because they've got a really rich donor that was able to do that. But that story d- was dwarfed by the story of Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner, uh, top wide receiver in the country for the Pitt Panthers, who is reportedly going to enter the transfer portal because he's going to he's in line to make reportedly again about three point five million dollars in an NIL deal from USC to join Lincoln Riley. Now, this is a huge story. Um, there's also stories out there that Pat Narduzzi uh, had multiple phone calls screaming and yelling at Lincoln Riley. And it really puts up this whole conversation of NIL and amateurism. But I've been going back and forth with Mitch on this, and I want to get our thoughts on this out there because I think Mitch probably has his point of view and I have mine too. Um, Mitch, what do you think of this whole story? I mean, I think this is, you know, it, it, people, they're kind of like, oh, this is the trajectory of college football. And, you know, people like people like Desmond Howard, like, oh, I don't like the way that this is going. And it's this is the NCAA's fault. This is the NCAA, you know, allowed this. They said, OK, we're going to do NIL. And they didn't put any rules in place whatsoever. And now it's the Wild West. And it's a little crazy. You know, it's great that players are getting paid. I'm not I don't love that, you know, teams are kind of going around and tampering with other schools, allegedly. But, you know. The NCAA, I think, created the situation such that it was a unruled chaos and then it would make the schools and the players look bad and basically say, oh, like the NCAA, like wash their hands of this. And they're saying, oh, no, you can't blame us. Like, this is what you all wanted. You wanted NIL. You wanted the players to get paid. Now look what's happening. So now they're going to say, oh, do you guys want to go back where we don't let anybody get paid? So I, you know, I think there's now there's been some talk about Jordan Addison coming back, like he's not locked into transferring. So it's a little crazy, but, um, you know, I think Jordan Addison is an excellent player, but <clears throat> I think this is just, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's a crazy story because, you know, I, I sent a tweet over to Mitch again, that was, he's going to make more than P- the Pittsburgh Steelers second round draft pick. If, if the numbers are true, which again, this is all behind the scenes. Now I, I kind of agree with Mitch. Like this is the NCAA's problem. This is something that they've created. Um, and it almost seems like they pretend uh, almost did it on purpose, as, as he said, to kind of like watch it blow up in everyone's face, because it seems like certain things you could do to fix this. And one of them, as we were just saying, was tampering, right? Like there needs to be some tightening up of that, because I think players do deserve to get paid. And if they are worth a certain amount of money, then heck yeah, let them get paid. They deserve it, right? They're the ones putting their body on the line, as we saw, we just talked about earlier, Justin Ross, how much money did he lose because he played mm-hmm. for, you know, his scholarship fee at Clemson, right? You know, there's those stories go up and down college football every single year. And Ross is not the only person that this has happened to. 
for what it's worth, Dabo Dabo probably would have benched him if he took an NIL deal. So, yeah, but you got to think like this is this has been I mean, let's 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 take off our rose colored sunglasses here for a second. Players have been paid for years, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's the elephant in the room. And if you don't want to talk about it, then that's that's what it is. Right. Like the elite players for years have always been paid by the big schools. That's why Reggie Bush lost his Heisman. <laughs> right. And you, you saw that with, um, ter- was it Terrell Pryor or, um, mm-hmm. you know, yep. the stupid, Ohio State guys, Chubb, yeah. like all these stupid things where these guys deserve to get paid for that stuff. Now it's all in the open and it's, and some of it's gross. Um, and some of it is, you know, a little shady, but, and if the NCAA isn't going to sit there and do anything, this is what this league is going to become. And I'm always going to stick by the side of the players because they're the ones out there risking their lot, risking their bodies every single day. And if, if they're worth it, which we see what the coaches are being paid. I mean, no one's yelling at Nick Saban for making $12 million a year to coach 12 football games. No one's yelling at Dabo Sweeney for building a, an amusement park on Clemson's campus. You know what I mean? Or whatever the hell they have there for a player center. Like if, if the players can get that money, they should, but, at the end of the day right now we're talking about Boston college, this kind of stuff. It, it's, it's just a different shade of gray from what BC had to deal with, with all the other recruiting stuff like 20 years ago. Yeah. And like, consider this, like, and this isn't the most you know lucrative example, but Lance Leopold was hired away from Buffalo to coach Kansas on April 30th of 2021. That like, that's like basically the same. It's about one year. Exactly. So when we got the Jordan Addison news, so and nobody made a stink about him leaving Buffalo high and dry that late in the process. Now, granted, Kansas, it doesn't usually go that way because Kansas had a lot of really bad um, off the field stuff because. But again, like, like, let's hold the schools to more accountability. Let's hold the NCAA to more accountability. Like they are the organizations that are sticking out. They need to be better. They need to figure out ways to, uh, you know, make sure that things are being done the right way. And like you said, like. I promise you, like the stuff that was being done before NIL was much shadier and much grimier than it is now. Like now there's just a name you can put on it and people are, you know, they have a boogeyman, they have a straw man to get mad at. Um, But yeah, I mean, nobody gets mad at the coaches for leaving their players high and dry, like at any point in the process, like they're like celebrate. And then, you know, you've quotes like Dabo, like talking himself in circles about how, you know, he like simultaneously loves and hates the free market when it doesn't or does apply to him. And I mean, I have my you know personal opinions of Davo as a college football coach and a person, but like, he's just like one of the biggest hypocrites in college football right now, because he is trying to have his cake and eat it too, by, you know, saying, Oh, like I want to be paid, you know, millions of dollars because I'm the best in my profession, but I will never in I'll be dead before I let, you know, these other players that I'm coaching do it to, and be held to the same standard. Right. And I think credit to BC, like I, I've seen people complaining again. I, I read the message boards. I read Twitter and there's people that are saying BC's falling behind on that. And I totally disagree. OK, so BC is not getting, um, you know, Arch Manning. They're not going to get, you know, Caleb Williams, but they never were going to get him anyways. But yeah, they're getting like, you can't say they're falling behind like they are. They are behind and they th- there's no change in how behind they are like. Yep. They're never going to be able to, you know, pony up these millions of dollars to essentially just, you know, go out I, and bounty hunter, you know, get mercenary players, essentially. Like, that's just not how it, that's not how it's going to be. Right. And so, 
you get the deals like you just we just talked about last week with Zay Flowers. Like he got a BMW. You know who doesn't have an NIL like consortium or like a collaborative? Syracuse. That's a team that's falling behind. They have nothing there. And and I've seen their writers and I'm talking about it. Like it's a big deal that they are not doing anything. BC has stuff in place to help play. I mean, they've had speakers come in, they've had consultants talking to them. They, you know, they have the new balance stuff. They've got a whole bunch of other things that are they're trying to do to kind of to jazz that up. So yeah, they're not going to get three million dollars to pay, you know, Arch Manning to come play for you, but you're going to get guys happy, you know, like I'm sure Zay's pretty happy with the way things are going right now. And I'm sure they're probably looking and Brevin Galloway, he had a BMW too. Like you're getting these deals in places. And I think, I think in the end of the day, BC is doing, they're keeping themselves in the conversation. There's also been, you know, it's been a generally tumultuous time with the, in terms of at BC with terms of like leadership changes and like, they're still going through one at the AD position. And frankly, like, I think that in the short time that Pat Kraft was here, like I thought he did a pretty solid job of, you know, responding to that, radical change in the NCAA's policy. And I, again, like these aren't huge moves, but I think that these moves set BC up well and give them a, a strong foundation moving forward. Like these moves alone by themselves are not, you know, world changing, but it lays the groundwork. It clears the path for, uh, you know, greater growth in the future. All right, Mitch, we're going to wrap things up on tomorrow's show. I'm going to get into some of the news from the weekend, including some recruiting and transfer updates you're going to want to hear about. Mitch, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, I probably won't be tweeting as much, especially about draft stuff now that it's over. Um, we'll be having some uh, recaps of stuff that gone, went on in the draft. And, you know, honestly, like now it's time to start looking at 2023. I've said this, I think I said it on last week's show and I'll say it again. I tweeted out BC is going to have four players going the first two rounds next year. You can put money on that now. All right. Yeah. And I was going to say next week, we're going to with Mitch on Monday, we're going to talk about the 2023 draft and get, get your thoughts on uh, get your thoughts, thoughts on tape uh, right now. So mm-hmm. thanks Mitch for joining us. Uh, this is AJ black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. I'm also the editor and publisher of BC bulletin.com. You can check my work out there. You can check Mitch out there as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star review. If you like it, it really does help. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you all again soon.